Hi, you're listening to Queensland Theatre's Quality Time podcast. Let me set the scene. Not every great book makes for a great play. What works on the page may not always translate into the theatricality of a staged adaptation. But when the lightning does strike and it's a best-selling book based on the author's own life, you can only imagine the pressure that sits with a playwright to not only do it right by the author, but also the audiences flocking to see the play. Today, Lee Lewis catches up with Tim McGarry to delve into his adaptation of Trent Dalton's Boy Swallows Universe. Enjoy. Hello everyone, I'm Lee Lewis, I'm the Artistic Director at Queensland Theatre and thank you for joining us for another Quality Time podcast. I am here with the extraordinary Tim McGarry and I'm going to tell you why he's extraordinary in a little bit. But first of all, I'm going to acknowledge that we're having this conversation on the lands of the Yagara and the Turrbal people and I'd like to pay respects to First Nations elders, both here and around the country for the work that they've done in making sure that it always was, always will be Aboriginal land and that there always will be stories told on this land. I feel very lucky to be a part of a company where we lay down new stories on this land, but please know that we never do it without knowing that we're standing on the lands that have never been ceded. Now, Tim, You are with us at the moment to lay down a new great Australian story. You were tasked two and a half years ago, two and a half years ago, with the gargantuan challenge of adapting Trent Dalton's Boy Swallows Universe for the stage. It is gargantuan, but I didn't realise it at the time. (laughs) Isn't that bizarre? Because I was given the book like as it was a reader's copy, so I actually had no pressure in in. I had a bit of pressure. There's always pressure in adapting a new work. But I had no pressure in terms of the, um, the hype that's kind of around it now and the, um, you know, and, and, and the warranted hype because it's such a fabulous novel. So I, I was able to write it kind of very quietly in my, um, in my little house in Leichhardt and not be too um, pressured by it at the time. Now, I'm going to ask a question. Who gave you, who gave you that copy? That's an interesting story. So when I left Monkey Bar Theatre Company, I was creative director there for many years, co-creative director with Ever and Sandy. And you've made a lot of a lot of works. You've adapted a lot, a lot of works. I've done a lot of work in creating new work out of novels and story and literature and poetry. So I really making have a great, great theatre, and I have yeah. to say, big fan. Big oh, great! Fan. And I love, I love doing that. That's my great. My one of my greatest loves is developing new work. My other great love is taking it into regional rural Australia. That's a big love of mine. Getting story out there. But anyway, going back to Boys Swallows Universe. So I have a really great relationship with the people at Harper Collins. Jackie Barton, who used to be there, was their education, I might get this wrong, education manager. And I went and had a coffee with her one day after I left Monkey Bar and said, I'm really keen to discover some new work and new stories. And she presented me, she had about eight books and she came with eight books and sat them on the table and she said, well, here's the things that we think would make great theatre adaptations. Now, they didn't look like books at that point because they're just... They're reader's copies, so they're all kind of, you know... They're not quite there. They kind yeah. of look like the, the book's yeah. going to look. So I went, oh, fantastic, I'll take some. I'll go. They gave me a shopping bag and I went back on the train with all my books. But she said to me, the one at the bottom, that one, you must, that's the one. 
for me, that's the one. I went, okay. So I started reading from the top and I was reading through them and through them. And this was around May to, and, and Boy Spoilers was published in June, July. And it was April actually and I'm reading them through. And then she rang me and she said, how are you going with those books? What do you think of Boy Spoilers Universe? And I said, oh, I haven't got there yet. He's down there. It's quite a thick, you know, 440 pages, quite a big book. And um, then I was coming up to Queensland to stay up in Cairns for a my partner's birthday, and she rang me and said, you know, that book's about to be published. You need to read that book. You really need to read that book. I'm telling you, that's the one. People are going to jump on it. And when I got to, to lying by the pool in Palm Cove, I went, I've really got to read this book because Jackie's just on to me about this book. And a sideline is I'm always a little bit hesitant when people recommend novels because for me only about 3% of novels are adaptable for the theatre they're not written for the theatre, they're written to be read in your couch at home and they don't often, they deal in thoughts and philosophy and ideas so they're not necessarily going to make a, a great play even if they're a great book. So that's always in the back of my mind when someone says, you've got to read this one, I'm always a bit hesitant, has been my experience. And I read it, I started reading it on the Monday morning and by the Tuesday afternoon I finished it, I couldn't put it down. I just read it. And, and you know when you read something and you can see it, it, it as a theatre director, you see, you think, yeah. I can see this on stage. Some, some things just come up off the page, don't My they? God, yeah. I just went, I can see that scene happening. I can see that scene. And that scene connects to that. And that drama connects to that. And it was so dramatic. It was just so dramatic. And I just rang her on the late Tuesday and I went, oh, my God, Jackie. And she went, I told you so. <laughs> you are right. So then she said, would you want to come and have a meeting? And I went, oh, okay. And she said, there's someone I want you to meet. And I thought, oh, okay. So I came, went into HarperCollins and they have a beautiful office and they have a beautiful view of the harbour and it was up on in the city and I walked into this office and this lady walked in and I said, gee, you must be important. You've got a great view of the harbour. And she went, I'm Catherine Milne. I'm the head of publishing. And I went, oh, hi, Catherine. Great to meet you. And she said, tell me what you want to do with this book. And I said, well, this is my idea. And I, I can think of a company that would very much might be interested as a Brisbane story and, um, and I'd like to present it to them. And she said, well, it hasn't been published yet, but let me check with Trent first and I'll get back to you. So the next afternoon she said, yeah, Trent's more than happy for you to present it to Queensland Theatre. And, um, and that's how it began. Okay, so you... Fate. ...then made another phone call to Queensland Theatre and said, hey, I've got this... I've got idea. this idea. Um, I sent it to, to the then executive producer, Sophia Hall. Mm -hmm. And I said, so here's the idea. And Sophia rightly, absolutely rightly replied back to me like all good producers do. Thanks for your email. We're very busy. We do have a good range of new work on our slate, but we will consider it. And it was a very metered and rightfully so metered response, which companies do. And it's great that she did write back. And I went, okay. And then that weekend, I think the Writers' Festival's on in Brisbane and Trent spoke and on the Monday she rang and she went, oh, my God, I've just heard this man speak about this book. Yes, we are very interested. And I said, great, great. So she said, um, I'm going to grab it. I'm going to have a read. I'll give it to Sam Strong to read and we'll just see, let's go from there. And that's kind of how it began. And that, that's kind of the beginning of the story. So it was all a bit of fate. Yeah. I mean, Trent talks about that a lot. That the, there are things fated inside. I agree. Inside this particular book and inside this story, and I can I can feel it in so many ways. I mean, I love the casting story around it. I love the mm. fact that they looked around the whole country for everywhere. young men, looked everywhere, and it ends up being Joe Klotzik, who was 
connected to Queensland Theatre in one of our youth ensembles when he was growing up. And you kind of go, so this is actually his company. Yeah. And so he gets to be Eli Bell. Brisbane boy gets to be Eli Bell, which is kind of perfect, right? And, and, and he's absolutely perfect. When, when you meet him, he looks like Trent. He does. And he has the same energy of Trent, that, that wonderful bright, fresh energy. And, and that he inherently that. optimistic feeling. You know, when we, the marketing team was putting together the poster, it was this day where they got a, a BMX bike and, and went and let Joe ride around Dara. And Perfect. the photographer takes some photos of that to see if we could find the, the poster shot. And it was, it was kind of this amazing thing of just seeing Eli riding around Dara in this really funny way because, of course, he had the, the backpack on because beautiful Renee Mulder, who's the designer oh, for the fabulous show. Designer. Fabulous designer. Had already, like, got the T-shirt and the jeans. So he's, like, in his costume riding around Dara and he'd just look completely at home and you just kind of go... There he is. That, he was there in the 1980s and there he, there is, he back, is back, Eli Bell. Absolutely. <laughs> riding around Dara. Absolutely. Yeah, and there's little bits of fate that have drawn people together. I mean, it's really interesting. Me, Sam Strong is such a beautiful director and mm-hmm. a beautiful director of scale for a work yeah. like this because the... It's it's one thing to say it goes naturally on a stage. It's a huge book. The vision for it is huge, the way it moves. And I've been watching Sam's work over the years and watching the way he explores time and space in really complex ways on his stages. Mm. I kind of go, that's a good a good match. So, you know, the yeah. thing of like it being you reading it, Sam being up here, you know, all of these things are working together. Like Renee Mulder, one of the best designers in the country. You know, you just go, who is from Brisbane? So, you know, there's a, such a shorthand that's actually moving between from Trent into... Absolutely. Into the, the team too. and then yeah. and now into the cast as well as they're getting to play the story that actually belongs in their city Absolutely, as well. So yeah. There, yeah. there is an extraordinary thing that's yeah, happening I here. I think so too. And, and when, when I first, when I was first in discussions with with Queensland Theatre, and Sam said to me, and it was just so beautiful, I'll never forget it, he said, how would you feel about me directing it? And I went, how would I feel? That would be a dream, an absolute dream, because because his work in scale and his work full stop is always so meticulous and beautiful and, um, yeah, the synergy felt felt right. The synergy felt right. And it's interesting, isn't it? You kind of go, you've got to trust that instinct that you have. And it's fascinating the thing that grows. I mean, I talk about it yourself, but in that in that comment that you've made about only about three percent of novels mm. are actually adaptable to stage. That's just your instinct, isn't it? Yeah. Built over years and years yeah. of trying yeah. a bit, trying some. Have you ever done one where you've thought it would work and then actually it didn't belong on a stage? I'm thinking back. I can't think of one. I, I could think of a couple where I thought they're going to need a lot of work to get there. So you've got to be prepared to put in the hard yards to get there. But I think one thing I was always pretty good and with Ever and Sandy was recognising, actually there is one who I think that should never have gone on stage. Yeah, it's just that thing. But you see that yeah. builds, like that's knowledge. I agree. That gets built into you and I you agree. thought it would work and then it didn't quite and you go, what is that? And you spend, like everybody, the things that don't work, you spend all of your time obsessing around, right? Yeah. So that you pull it apart until you kind of have an understanding of why it didn't work. And that's built into your next decisions. You start going, no, I actually learned that. That if yeah. that's the case, then that's probably best not. And it, and it came partly from running a company and having to, as you know, when you're programming, having to come with decisions really quickly. And all of a sudden, the next year's touring program is on top of you and you don't have the time to invest in really searching and the decisions aren't thorough enough. Yeah. And when that 
decision isn't thorough enough, there can be regret in that. And look, you have to wear the consequences of that. You do. And the job is to make it work anyway. You did, absolutely. But that's where you build your instinct. Mm. So you just absolutely. trust that thing yeah. and you go, so you read something like, boy, and you go, when it's all, every little note is hitting you and you kind of go, it sings, you go, right, trust that. Yeah, yeah, the characters sing. Yeah, they do, the don't characters they? characters sing and that's when... I mean, how um, amazing. Oh. Oh, we did a, a broadcast last night with ABC Radio and... Uh, it went out on Facebook Live and about 14,000 people watched. Isn't that magic? Incredible. I, I still love the internet. I'm glad I didn't know that before. <laughs> I know, That's right? That's amazing. Um, well, we didn't know it before. We amazing. had no idea how many people would tune in. So that many people around the country were interested enough, actually around the world, yeah. were interested enough to tune in and listen to that. But hearing Nock Pham, who is playing Big Dang, Big Dang, talking about the character, you could just see, again, that amazing thing from Trent's imagined rememberings into the body of an actor and her talking about it, you could see him looking at her going, oh, my God. She was able to talk about it in a, a bringing-to-life way that was beyond what he'd imagined but so congruent with it. He was going to her, he was looking at her going, oh, my God, you're so right. So she is taking that inspiration from him yeah. via you into her body to create something that is... Walking and talking, or, you know. And, and I really loved it when she started to describe, bring in what the actor does with the character and I will be looking for the love in her and her centre and what makes her work and what makes... And you could see Trent and I was and I was thinking, yeah, absolutely, that's exactly what all the actors are doing. Imagine that being transferred to every other character yeah. by all the actors. It, it's going to be mind-blowing for him to see his earlier life come alive on stage with yeah, these people. Yeah, not the bodies of the people who, like, the imaginings are based on. Yeah, not... So they're going to look different and they're going to sound different, but they're going to be saying sentences that are pulled from his past. Absolutely. In a slightly different context on the QPAC stage. It is an amazing thing, isn't it, that bringing something to life, what that does, it is reminiscent of the life it originally was. Absolutely. And also that other thing of his family who are part of that story will come and witness it and see it and and that's their life as well. And, and, there'll, I think be bits, the, and there'll be bits that won't, like, they're, they're like, that wasn't like that. I don't know what yeah. you were thinking, what you know. Were you writing that? Yeah. yeah. Where did that come from? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But I think that's where there's a little bit of added pressure when you're, um, I always think when, and when I've adapted things before and they're, they're based on real people, that I feel a little bit more pressure with that because it, it, you've got your life, their life in your hands, yeah. literally. And I do feel that kind of pressure with the with a real story, yeah. But wonderful. I just love the fact that, you know, what theatre does is it reflects life. Yeah. And as horrendous as his early life was, a lot of people have horrendous lives and we need to see that and we need to know that and we need to build empathy within all of us as a community to understand that that happens to, it could happen to any of us at any time. And the, the interesting thing is about the some of the extremity of awful that happens inside the book. When you're talking about having people's life in your hands when you're bringing it to life on the stage, that doesn't mean you go gently. Sometimes it means you have to go harder because they will judge you if you don't honour the extremity. And it was it's been interesting hearing Trent say his mum will be really mad if we actually don't honour the extremity of what Absolutely. she went through. Yeah, you yeah. can't soften it. No. That's not being kind. That's no. not, That's being untruthful. Absolutely. And sometimes it means it pushes you to put truth in that you might not otherwise do, you might shy away from. But when there's a real person who lived through something, you've 
got to represent that. Absolutely. And it will be uncomfortable and yeah. it should be uncomfortable because theatre is not always a comfortable space because yeah. it's a space that's reflecting our life. Yeah. And look, I don't know about you, but my life's not particularly comfortable and I'm lucky. I'm one of the yeah. lucky ones. Yeah, I feel so, that too. you know, and I think that's sort of, I suppose, one of the reasons that the the book rings so true because I look. I didn't grow up in Brisbane, so Me but neither. I love the book. Mm. So why is that? Do you know what I mean? So it's not about Brisbaneness necessarily. It's about the relationships. Yeah, it's relationship heavy. And, and it's also there's something formidable. I would call Trent's optimism formidable because his life has proved that you can survive pretty much anything and get to where you want. And that's not saying you don't have to be lucky, and that doesn't require an enormous amount of love to enable you to do that. But he is evidence of that and that book has that spirit in it. Absolutely. And the spirit for me is resilience, forgiveness and, and that incredible power of love that wins through. No matter how dysfunctional it is, no matter how flawed they are, he won through, he survived. And, and I love the fact he's Brisbane's boy. Yeah. And it's because he's a success story in his own life. Yeah. He really is a, a mark of that thing that... You don't have to be who you were at that point. You can always be another person. The next day, the next chapter can be different and he's proven that. Yeah. And that's what's so lovable about him, but that's what's so wonderful about the novel and, the, and his story and yeah. his family's story. It's incredible. It's incredible. It is incredible. But it is interesting. It's how many people he's dragging with him for so many different reasons. There's so much in this book. Like, it's interesting thinking about how to talk talk to a wider wider audience. How do we reach people who haven't read the book? Why haven't they read the book? Because they, I don't know, they, learn, they don't respond to a cover. Like mm. marketing people spend all their time going, why didn't they pick up the book? But I think it's also that question of there's so much in this book that people don't necessarily realise. I mean, if you're a fan of Dexter, you would love this book because of Titus. That's an extraordinary character. Absolutely. Like you kind of go, ah, that's there. Like, Vic Dang. I mean, that's an extraordinary character. And I kind of want to say to people, if you like this, you'll like this book. If you like that, you'll like this Absolutely. book. Absolutely. There's so many different worlds hived in this universe that he is. They're extreme. Yeah. They're extreme characters. And when you, and you think of Vic Dang, she's a perfect example. She is a philanthropist. She gives money to the local school. She, but she is known mostly for her unspeakable acts of savagery. I mean, she poked out a girl's eyes in her daughter's class for bullying her with a steel ruler. And she's savage, but she's a, she's a giver. She turns up to the fate. She does all the school things. And the, the book is full of characters who have these extremes. These contradictions. Oh. These huge contradictions inside them. But, you know, every family's got those contradictions inside them, don't they? And we all have that. We, we all do. have that. And then your life is... Do you accept those contradictions or do you deny them? Yeah. And I think trans acceptance of them is actually something which is a real offer to people. Acceptance is the better way to go, I think, to understand that, you know, we're not all perfect. I'm an imperfect human being <laughs> and that's just how it is. I'd like to be a little bit better in some parts of my life, but that's just how it is. Yeah. And that's okay. It's kind of okay. So, so... Two and a half years ago, you started working on this. It's now getting very real as we head towards. You all of a sudden got very rehearsal. real last night with an audience. I thought, 
Oh, there's going to be an audience. There's one thing I've been very successful with, Lee, is um, keeping the audience out of my mind. I actually haven't thought about them. They haven't really figured heavily in my head. I mean, it's been kind of an outer thing of when Sam's been as dramaturg discussing it with me. Do you think the audience will get that? And I go, oh, yeah, the, the audience, those people one day who will, may see it. Yeah, I think they will get that. We might need to do this and this and this. But all of a sudden it's become very real in terms of it's going to happen and I hadn't thought too much about that. I'd kept that at bay. Because and of course, I really didn't have the pressure. Of course, there was no pressure early on. Yeah. I've just had a very quiet time working on it. And the other thing too is I haven't given it to too many people to read. Yeah. I find with new work particularly, but with anything you write, you really don't want to, as a writer, well, this is my thing. I don't want to give it to too many. I don't want too much feedback. I just want very specific feedback because I don't want to send it to someone and they go, oh, that's fabulous, isn't that wonderful? I don't want to send it for that reason. I want specific feedback to come back about certain aspects. So nobody really read it except Trent and Sam for about the first five drafts. Mm-hmm. And it was only then that Sam said, I think we need to send this on to someone. So he sent it on to one person, a female writer who we all know, and I asked her specifically to look at the female roles because I'm a male, I'm not writing with that in my forehead. And she came back with brilliant suggestions. And then I sent it to a friend of mine who is a fabulous writer and a very harsh critic. And I said to him, there are certain scenes I need you to look at. There are certain scenes I'm having trouble structurally. I'm not happy with them. I don't know what it is. I can't put my finger on it, but it just needs a bit more work. And he came back with his feedback. So slowly it's been developing and bringing certain people in at different times. And then of course, when the designers come in, how fabulous is that whole process, which is a process I love because, you know, putting a book on the stage, putting anything on the stage is collaborative. It's not just about the words, it's about the set, it's about the lights, it's about the every aspect of it and then the actors come on board and then beautiful Renee comes in and says, I think I can do that in the set. I don't think we need to say that. And I, I think that can happen and the actors will say, I think I can probably act that and we can get rid of that. So slowly you start to pare back even more yeah. and you get back to just the essence of what it is because the words come back and the actors come in and the emotions come to play and the lights will create atmosphere and the set will do everything. It's a... It's such a joyous experience. I love that moment of getting into creative development and working with other artists because I find I find the writing aspect, as much as I love it, it's quite lonely. I'm a little bit of an extrovert and I find sitting in a room for nine months a little bit lonely. <laughs> a little bit, what am I going to do now? I might go for a walk. I might go down to the cake shop and buy myself a little sweetie because I've done that scene. I might, you know. <laughs> There was a great Nobel Prize winner who, when she, a poet who, when she was accepting her Nobel Prize, said, you know, you can't make films about poets. She said, because it's actually very boring. She said, I get up in the morning and I have a cup of tea and I go towards my desk and I look at my desk and then I go and sit on the couch and I have a bit of think and then I walk towards the, the computer and I write a couple of words and then I, and I go out to the garden and I have another cup of tea and I go back to the couch and then I go and I write another couple of words and then I go back to the couch and then I might put a load of washing on and then I go back to the couch and then I go back to the computer. She said, that's my life. That's it. I know. That's exactly, <laughs> that's exactly it in a nutshell. And the funny thing was like two years ago there was talk of someone following us around and, and they wanted to film the process and I thought, oh, my God, what are they going to do? They're going to see me walk the dog. And I sit there and think and dream into the – I'm like, what are they going to do? Because they said, would you mind them coming into your house? And I'm thinking, well, that's fine, but – See anything. I get on Trove and put it, look up <laughs> Slim Halliday and, you know, there's 49,000. I go down that rabbit warren for half an hour and I think I really must write. 
oh, I think I'll go for a walk first. I'll go for a walk. I might go down for a swim. I feel like a swim. It's a nice day. I'll go and do a swim. And then when I come back, I might, you know. And, yeah. and basically every day I think I'm, I can write probably three minutes of theatre, maybe, most, max, yeah. maybe two minutes, maybe five, five pages. Day. Yeah. Some days I get into seven yeah. pages and I go, wow, that was a big day. Yeah. But mostly it's about five pages. And then the other problem is when you get up the next day, you go back and reread it. Danger, danger, Will Robinson. Then you have to rewrite it. Then that takes you half a day because you go, I'm not happy with no. that now. <laughs> <laughs> so I can only ever go back one day. I always limit yeah. myself because if I go back two days, nothing gets done. Yeah. You've got to be really strict. And I have learned over time to be very disciplined in, in, in that aspect. And what I tend to do is because I'm like that poet, I'll just waffle around. I actually set myself a task. I set tasks and I set time limits on them. Okay. So between 10 and 12, I will revisit yesterday's work. Between 12 and 12.30, I will read that chapter. Between 12.30 and 1, I will make notes about the structure of that scene. And then I'll go and have a bite to it. 1.30 till 3.30, I will write the scene. I will revisit. So I really, and then I can tick it off. I like ticking. <laughs> I like ticking off my list. And then I go, I've done that. Yeah. I've done, I've achieved. Yeah. That's the only way I can do it. Yeah, I have right. to be that anal. Otherwise, you don't do anything. It's interesting too, because you also, it also makes you clear your day so that you got quiet enough to do all of those Absolutely. things. Absolutely. Yeah? Absolutely, yeah. And the other thing I do, which I love to do, I actually go away. I yeah. go away from my house because there's too many things that can distract me. So I, um, I, I tend to go to, to find little farmhouses and things that I can sit there for a week and I have a be- there's a beautiful little shack that I've found down in Kulak just outside of Gundagai and I go and sit there and it sits on the Murrumbidgee River and there's mm. uh, the internet get turned off at 8 o'clock at night. It's <laughs> hilarious. It's pitch black. But you have to work because there's a couple of cows come and say hello to you in the morning. There's nothing around. And, um, and I just look at the mountains and I can really do detailed work. If I have a lot of detailed work, I'm going to work on that draft, I'll head down yeah, okay. the Hume Highway and sit there and just sit in the countryside and think and read. And I find that's a really great way of working to get out, change your location, change your circumstance. Are you working on something new now? I've just finished. I won't say I've finished because it's never finished until it's on stage. I'm in the process of creating a new version, and it's kind of nearly there, of Colin McCulloch's Tim which is a modern day version. So I've been given permission to really turn that book upside down because it was written in the 70s. There's a lot that's changed. And, um, you know, the, the women in those books were, um, were you know, secretaries. And so I've turned all that around and made them lawyers and made them head of firms and, and, and really made it more a 1920s kind of work. So I've been working on that. Do you know the other thing I'm doing, which I'm loving at the moment? I'm doing a lot of dramaturgical work for other writers and I find that really inspiring. Oh, that's interesting. I love nurturing other writers. I find that really interesting. I love it. I love it. Just just having that space to sit back on your own work and see how someone else develops work and really extraordinary stuff. I really find that a fascinating thing to do. Developing new work is just never, it, it never ceases to amaze me how many stories are out there and how many great stories are out there that are there to be told? I was thinking of that audience last night and thinking, this is just one story of Trent's. Imagine all the stories. And, and what, why are they so connected to this story? And what's their story? Yeah. It's just, it's but it's just, interesting, isn't it? For all the stories, and story is a great thing, actually turning it into a play 
that's hard. It can be. A yes, play I agree. ready for production. Mm. You know, there's a long way between a great story an and a great enormous play. Enormous distance. And you go, it's it's that fascinating thing of I read a lot of scripts every year, obviously, mm. and I love it. And every time I start, I'm hoping, hoping that it's on its way, and that yeah. I can see that way. But so many times there's a great story, but they haven't found the way to tell it for the stage. And you kind of go, this is a great story, but actually they, they feels like it. they want it to be a film more than a play or feels like it wants to be a TV series more than a play. And there's something, there's a, the actual craft and the discipline that, that actually ends up in a full play where you go eat, at each step of the way, it belongs on a stage. Absolutely. That's an interesting... Yeah, and it's an yeah. interesting discussion to have with a writer when you... Uh, I remember working on something a couple of years ago and it, and it was very clear to me with this particular piece that it was a documentary. This isn't a play. And it was very hard to explain to them that they hadn't written many things before, but, you know, theatre really requires interpersonal relationships and not big slabs of monologues describing what happened, we can read about that. We can read that in a book. And sometimes the work, if it's based on fact or based on, it's not even docudrama, it's a documentary. So it's new writing finding its place, finding its medium. Is mm -hmm. it a film? Is it a short film? Is it a installation? Is it a whatever it is? It's about helping a writer find its medium. And go, I think this is a film. I think this is a... Yeah, and especially in this, the time that we're in, there's a great hunger in, in our society and in audiences for people's authentic stories. Yeah, I agree. And when it's coming from the real world, kind of, kind of like that Boy Swallows Universe thought, when it's coming from a real world story, how do you, you fictionalise it? And what are your tools for doing that so that it's, it, it moves out of documentary? And if, especially if you're writing your own story, how do you honour people and yet tell a good story? Yeah the tension in that space sometimes proves to be too much to people where actually it needs to not be a play because there needs to be too much honouring of the truth. And you kind of go, you start to steer people towards maybe a documentary. Absolutely. And giving people permission to tell it in that form. Absolutely. It's got its own path. But I find that's a really interesting thing to sometimes to protect people's stories from the pressure towards making a play. To yes, say, yeah, you know, the yeah. thing, there are certain demands that are theatricalization will make of a story and sometimes the story won't stand up to that. Yeah, absolutely. You kind of go, yeah. protect the story from that. Theatre is a, a brutal it, form. It is, absolutely. And, and theatre has a it has many structures, but it does have a basic set structure in terms of how a dramatic play works and what an audience comes to see. And then they come to see a beginning, a middle and end and they come to see a resolve. And sometimes stories don't have resolve or the right resolve and for to, a theatre work. And to be fair, there are sometimes extraordinary theatre makers who will not follow that structure and they'll pull it off. Yes. But those exceptions are very few and far between. And so often when people are going, oh, no, I don't like that structure, you kind of go, yeah, but you're not offering something as substantial. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. So it's always that yeah. funny thing of great theatre minds, like someone like a Eugene O'Neill was writing yes. completely different ways to Absolutely. what was considered good work Absolutely. at that time. He was Absolutely. a revolutionary. That's Eugene O'Neill. <laughs> you know, there are always the Mozart moments, right? Yep. And sometimes th those plays do happen. Mm. I'll sit there and I'll start reading a play, I'll start reading the script and I'll go, oh, God, you know, wow, this is, oh, this is, how is this going to hang together? Are you, like, I genuinely want it to work, 
And there have been a couple of times where that's happened and I've gone, I've gone, oh, that won't, that won't work. That's never going to work. What are you doing with that? No, don't be ridiculous. And then by the end, I'm like, okay, you win. And that's the best yeah, thing I've, in the world. I've had those moments. I've had probably two of them and I go, oh, my God, you win. Yeah. You're going against everything that should be a good play and you're way smarter than me and that's awesome and I love that. Yeah. It worked yeah. on me. Yeah. But yeah. I go, that, that's so rare. And it's not better than the other way of telling stories. It's just different to accepted wisdom. Absolutely. And you go, there are some brains that can do that. Absolutely. Do you remember a long, long time ago, I did that, we were, we were on a panel reading scripts for a, a company and, and a play came out at us and it was just extraordinary, but I think only you and I could only see it. I was going, oh, my God, this play is extraordinary. This play is amazing. You're going, wow, it's amazing. And I think a lot of people in the room were going, hmm. Maybe not. That happens to me a fair bit. And then I saw it. I saw it yeah. performed at another company. I went, that's exactly how I saw it. It's just sometimes you just read things and they jump, but they don't jump for everyone. Everybody, they it's don't. It's subjective. And it's interesting for me as a director. Subjective. Sometimes I know that when something has jumped for me and I go, oh, no, I could just see it. And I somewhere I just have to say to people, and that's been the very big difference between being a freelance director and running a company, is that actually I can back my own choice. So sometimes yes. there's a play which leaps up and no one else can see it and I go, oh, no, that'll work. And I go, oh, no, that's really easy. And part of my job is to say to people, I can see this. That's my reassurance to them. It's like, don't worry. And they look at it and go, how is this going to work? I'm like, don't worry. That's my job. This will work. And... Fortunately, when I've done that, it has worked and that's where you build the trust relationship. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I'm used to people looking at me like I'm a bit crazy <laughs> and and then actually going and making it and then people going, oh, right, now I see what you were talking about. So sometimes that director intermediate step is really necessary for the trickier works. Absolutely. I mean, seriously, Kill Climate Deniers, mm. I literally went to all of our subscribers and I said, you're just going to have to trust me on this one. <laughs> And it was wild. Yeah. And when you read the script, yeah. it doesn't look like a script at all. But there was something that rose up inside of that. Yeah, yes. And yeah. when we we just had to get on the on the stage and like make it. And as we made yes. it, it yeah. became apparent. Yeah. You can see it. Uh, you yeah. can see it. You can feel it. There's I could a, feel there's it. A that, feeling. I couldn't see that one. There's I could feel, feel it. it. There was this you know, argument this. rising yeah. up inside that play. And yeah. I went, oh, no, that'll work. I just have to do a lot of work around it yeah. to make to, that manifest. To make it but work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And it, but it is interesting. that yeah, I, I find I've, it fascinating. Yeah. yeah and when yeah. people, other people can't see it, you go, sometimes there are beautiful plays, potential plays, People just can't see. Mm. And that's why you, when you're talking about it, it takes you a while to decide who to approach. Yes. Because yeah. you're trying to figure out who will see it. Yes, who, who, who will get that who aesthetic, get who that? will get that feel that I, that I have for it. Who do you instinctively think will connect with that? Yeah. And it's, yeah. And it's a mysterious thing, isn't yeah. it, that connection? And also it's that thing of when you're looking at new works, you go, I... I haven't quite worked it out myself yet because they're going to ask me questions that I can't answer yet. And I'm still working that out and I haven't got the answer. So I need to work it out more for myself because I can see it dramatically in in 70% of the work, but there's about 30% I haven't solved yet. And I may not solve it. And I'm always happy to go and pitch something and go, and I'm happy to say, I don't know how that's going to work yet. Yeah. But I'm confident enough to know I'll find a way with your help, with everybody's collaborative help, but (laughs) I don't know it yet, Yeah, but I'll get there. And there are some things you can't have the conversation until you've answered that question. But that's for all plays. I mean, yeah. it's like it's like Shakespeare. Don't do Winter's Tale until you've figured out how to do the bear. Yep. 
<laughs> just don't even go near it because you're going to come up against it in the rehearsal room and you're going to go, I haven't got an idea for here. And if you don't have a good idea for the bear moment, you're stuck. It's like the, fairy, the fairies in Midsummer. If you don't have a good idea for the fairies, don't yeah, do Midsummer. Don't do it. Just no, don't do it don't because do it. In very, touch it. you will end up with all of your actors walking around on tiptoes. That's going to be the lamest idea, but that's what you're going to do. That's what they'll do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> so interesting though, isn't it? It's about it's about the right time to present work, that, but it's it's having time to think about it yeah. and think about how, it's, how, you, do you, how you see it, how you feel it. Yeah. yeah, and just sometimes waiting, yeah. waiting for the idea to come. Yeah, absolutely. Don't yeah. look at it, don't look at it, read everything else and, and trusting that if it's fate, yeah, if fate. it's a fate question, then the idea will arrive. I do find, though, when, you, when you're working on new work, the ideas do arrive. They do. And they'll arrive in the strangest ways. You'll be in a supermarket and something will happen or someone will say something and you go, Oh, my God, I've got it. That's it. <laughs> What she just said actually is the yeah. answer to it. That happens to me all the time. I find it really weird. That's why I like when I am working on something, going out and, and being a bit more social because that's when you solve it. Or you wake up in the middle of the night and you go, oh, got it all worked out. <laughs> I finally worked it out. It just comes to you. It's, yeah. If it sits with you for a while, if you have the confidence just to let it sit, don't worry about it, it'll answer Sometimes it itself. comes too late. I've had productions <laughs> where six months later I oh. wake up and go, oh, that's how I should have ended it. Okay. I've done that as an actor going <laughs> right on my last night. And now I get what that line's about. And I've never said it right for all this time. What a dill. <laughs> just go, I, I can't believe I didn't get that. It's like being in a rehearsal and all the actors know how to say your line except you. They're all going, oh, everyone's looking strange. And you're going, no, I don't get it. I don't, I don't get what the emphasis on that word. It's so clear to everybody else, but to you, it's always a bit harder. Don't know why that is. <laughs> don't know why that works. is. And don't know why that is. Seems to be like the good place to actually come to the end yeah. of this conversation. <laughs> Look, there's so much we don't know why it is, but it's based on extraordinary instinct, which you develop over years if you have the opportunity to Absolutely. develop that instinct. Yeah. And being comfortable in the not knowing what it is and trusting that the universe will actually give you the answer if you're open to it. And hopefully great art comes from that. Hopefully. And hopefully, hopefully what we can all do as a, as a group of people dedicated to making Voice Willows Universe the best thing we can, hopefully we make some great art for people. Absolutely. So that so that it can fill their lives up with all of those thoughts that started with Trent, travel through your extraordinary brain and will hit the bodies of those actors. Absolutely, surely. I can't wait. I can't wait for everybody yeah. to see Voice Wallows Universe. I can't, I can't wait for them to enjoy your work, Tim. And thank you for thank talking you. to me about Thanks, it. Thanks, Lee. Thank you all for joining us at Quality Time. I look forward to our next conversation. Thanks so much for listening to Quality Time. Please rate and review it and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn and Twitter at QLD Theatre. You can visit our website, queenslandtheatre.com.au to sign up to our e-news and learn more about the stories we'll be sharing next. We can't wait to see you at the theatre again soon. Bye!